Hey, good morning, Outlook. How's everybody doing today? It is so wonderful to be back here. I've had so much fun here today, seeing people I haven't seen in a long time. I just want to thank Rob for inviting me to come out and talk today. It is great to be back home. I cannot begin to talk about what we are doing at Renewal without first focusing on why we're doing what we're doing. And for me, that starts with the Great Commission. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave instructions to his disciples and to us about what we are called to do with our lives, what our responsibilities are as his followers, our commission for going forward, our game plan, if you will, since today's Super Bowl Sunday, for how to live the lives that he designed us to live. And I am in chapter 28 of the book of Matthew, beginning with verse 18. Then Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, whoops, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In a nutshell, Jesus is asking all of us who have accepted his gift of eternal salvation to make sure that all people have the opportunity to accept that gift. And we are to do that by teaching people, teaching people who Jesus is, teaching them what he has taught us. And when we do that, our goal should be to cause people not just to believe in Jesus, although that's an excellent start, but to become followers of Jesus, his disciples, people who are living their lives according to his authority and according to his teaching. And we are to do that with everyone we come into contact with, with our family and those who are close to us, with the community around us, across different cultures, and even around the world. Our number one priority at Renewal, really the reason why our church exists, is to live out the Great Commission. Luke restated the Great Commission in more specific terms in the book of Acts. There Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus here is talking literally about the geographic spread of the gospel message, beginning in Jerusalem, where Jesus based most of his ministry and where he died and was resurrected, spreading out to Judea, the area where the first followers of the one true God, the Jewish people, lived, extending to Samaria, which had originally had been the northern kingdom of Israel, and where Gentiles had been brought in and incorporated themselves into the community and brought with them a very different culture. And then literally to the ends of the earth with all of its different peoples and cultures. Eventually, there will be no part of the globe that has not heard the gospel. And while we at Renewal certainly spend plenty of time sharing Jesus with our families, and with the immediate communities that we have come from, 
We know that we are a church that has been called to serve primarily in Samaria, in an area with a much different culture than the culture of most of the people who planted the church. A culture that is different racially, that is different socioeconomically, different in their viewpoint about the world around them and about how that world works. Renewal is focused primarily on serving families between Post Road and Franklin and between 42nd Street and 38th Street. I like to describe it as 12 minutes and a world away from Outlook. Our primary target area is the neighbor neighborhood, is that neighborhood, and that's where we call home. We have a house that we use as an office and a community center that is located right near the intersection of Post Road and 38th Street. And we rent space from a church on 42nd between Post and Franklin. We use that for our church services and for our sports ministry, for our Christmas store and lots of other activities. And while that little area I described remains our primary target area, most of the families we serve actually live outside of those immediate boundaries, but in very, very similar neighborhoods. And so now we consider our area, our home, to cover roughly from German Church all the way over to Shadeland and from Pendleton Pike south down to at least 30th Street. This is an area that is very diverse racially. In our neighborhood elementary school, 54% of the students there are Latino. 46% are black, less than 1% are white. And there are plenty of cultural differences between the two largest groups of people we serve. Despite the common denominator of poverty, the needs of these two groups are surprisingly different. We work with lots of single moms, lots of single grandmas, and unfortunately, way too few dads. We also work with lots of first-generation immigrants many of whom do not speak English and who have to rely on their children to communicate with us. And the Latino population is growing rapidly in our neighborhood right now, especially in the last couple of years. And that presents even new challenges for our ministry. Socioeconomically, the area where we serve includes some of the most significant poverty in our city an area where people live in what is often referred to as generational poverty, where the cycle of poverty often continues from one generation to the next. The average per capita income in 2022 among just blacks and Latinos in our neighborhood was right around $11,000 per person. 99.2% of the people living in our area qualify for either federal housing aid, federal food aid, or both. And more than 36% live under the federal poverty line. For some perspective, 51% of the families in all of Marion County qualify for federal food or housing aid, and 17% live below the federal poverty line. So in the simplest of terms, which honestly are the terms that I understand the best, the area where we serve is twice as poor as Marion County as a whole. Our community is also considered one of the most dangerous areas of the city. We are among the highest in the city in virtually every crime statistic that they keep track of, most notably in homicides and non-fatal shootings. Sadly, violent crime 
is a way of life in the area where we serve. It's something even our kids talk about openly. We have several people in our church whose families have been directly impacted by violence. Now, you might ask yourself, how did a group of white people from the suburbs end up planning a church in this neighborhood? It's a good question. It's a question I still ask myself from time to time. And the short version is, I was the missions and outreach pastor here at Outlook. And ministry was my second career. I was new and I was enthusiastic. I had lots of ideas. And let's just say I wasn't very shy about sharing them. And the thing that I focused on primarily for me was finding a way to build a heart of service within the people of Outlook so that they would go out and serve other people. I would sometimes describe it as getting people out of the seats and into the streets. I had another way of putting it among my friends where the end part was out with the masses. I'll let you figure out what the first part was. And Rob was gracious and he gave me lots of leeway to see how we could get people from here serving the lost and the least of these. And he agreed it was important work and he did his own research. And after a while, it didn't take us long to decide that post and 42nd was the area where we were being called to serve. It was an area that was both close to us physically, but so very different in terms of its makeup and its needs. In God's providence and God's wisdom, we were connected with the opportunity to volunteer just once a week in the classrooms in our neighborhood school, IPS 105. And at the time, that was the only goal, regular service in this incredibly impoverished, racially mixed neighborhood. And the school seemed like a perfect place to start. Fast forward, we are now in our ninth school year serving in the neighborhood. We have an independent nonprofit with a variety of programs that are focused on helping families address the many obstacles they face as a result of living in that generational poverty that I described. It, in the nine years that we've been working in our neighborhood, we have developed a growing reputation of being both strongly committed to our neighborhood and highly effective in the way we serve there. I was in a meeting not too long ago with a group of, of organizations that serve on the Far East Side. And when we went around to introduce ourselves, one of the guys sitting at the table looked at me and said, hey, I've heard about you guys. I hear you're doing great things. Well, we like to think we're doing great things in the neighborhood, right? But it was incredibly affirming to hear this guy who's someone I highly respect, someone who's been working in our ministry on our side of town for a long time, say that out loud. It was fantastic to hear that that's the impact that the nonprofit is making. But no matter how pleased we are with what the nonprofit is doing, what's much more important to me personally and to the people who planted our church is that two years ago on Easter Sunday, 2022, we planted a church in our neighborhood, a church that was started by 35 people, almost all of whom came from Outlook and almost all of whom were white. And now we have 42 adults who were part of our discipleship groups, our small groups, kind of the way that we describe who are the members of our church. On any given Sunday, there are probably 60 to 70 people in attendance at our worship services, including lots and lots of kids. There were 93 people at our Thanksgiving service, and we counted 125 at our Christmas Eve service. So we're growing, for sure. 
But we are still very much a baby church with lots and lots to learn. And while there are still more white people than black people at most of our services, we've had individual services where that has not been the case, where we've begun to experience firsthand what God's vision for a truly multiracial church in our community might really look like. And it has been awesome. We have five families from our neighborhood we consider to be members of our church and several others who attend regularly. And we are starting to notice more and more new people who are coming to church because they were invited by someone else from the neighborhood, not by someone from the original church plant team. So that's the short version of who we are and what we do. And I could stand up here all day and tell you stories. Stories that would make you laugh, stories that would make you cry, stories that would make you stomp your feet in anger or rise to your feet in praise of what God is doing. It is the best and the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it has made me more dependent on God's love, on God's wisdom, on God's power, and certainly on God's forgiveness than I ever imagined I would be. And it's very hard for me to objectively stand up here and tell you what has made us go from simply trying to give people an opportunity from this church to serve on a regular basis to planting a church in the middle of this neighborhood that is so different from anything most of us have ever experienced before. I'm way too close to it. I'm way too emotionally attached to it. And I know how the sausage is made, if you know what I mean. I know the weak spots. I know how we fail at least as much if we, as we succeed, if not more. But there are some characteristics that we have intentionally tried to put into place and which I think for the most part, we've done reasonably well. These characteristics are not unique to renewal in any way. I think they're the kind of characteristics that virtually any effort to serve others, especially to serve people who are poor or oppressed, would include in their ministry. We don't have the time for me to go deeply into any of them today, but I think going through all of them briefly will give you an idea of how we're doing things, or at least how we're trying to do things in our church and our ministry. The first characteristic that comes to mind when I think of how we're doing things at Renewal is that we are missional. And there's two aspects of this. First, we believe to our core that God has called us to serve in this particular neighborhood and that we need to be laser focused on that call. Paul put it this way. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We try to make that our attitude in everything we do. And that means that, that we make serving God, giving God authority over every aspect of our, of our lives, following his teaching in everything we do, is the most important thing in our lives. Do we do that perfectly? Not even close. 
But we are learning as we grow. And we are trying to do that better and better. We are trying to be an example for our neighborhood of what it means to live our lives on mission for God. And that kind of laser focus on our mission means that sometimes we have to pass on opportunities to participate in other good and worthy endeavors, personally and as a church. That might mean spending a little less time on the golf course or cutting out of work early to participate in one of our programs. It might mean canceling a date night to serve a family in need. From a church perspective, it might mean not supporting another ministry or not getting involved in a particular issue. Not because that ministry is not worthy of our time or that issue is not worthy of our attention, but because getting involved in those things would distract us from the mission that we know God has given us. Being missional also means we need to think like missionaries. We have to be very aware of the cultural differences of, of the people that we serve and that are around us all the time. But we can never let those differences divide us. We want to celebrate those differences and the fact that we are all made in the image of God and deeply loved by him, no matter who we are, no matter what our address is. We try to approach the problems our neighbors face as equals, working together to find a solution. Not as outsiders who somehow think that we are the only ones that God has ever given the right answer to, or that somehow we know more than our neighbors. We know that's not true. So we try to take our knowledge, our life experiences, our relationship with Jesus and combine them with the knowledge and the life experiences and the relation with Jesus of our neighbors. And we do that so that we can improve the lives of all of us, the church planting team and the neighbors that we serve. As much as possible, we do things with our neighbors, not for them. We wanna be partners working together, called together by God's instruction that we love one another not because we somehow think that one is greater or one is somehow less. The second characteristic that I think is essential to our ministry at Renewal is that we are holistic. Being holistic means way more than just addressing people's physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. For us, being holistic means recognizing that people's physical, emotional, and spiritual needs are entwined with each other. And that realistically, we cannot address one of those needs without addressing the other. James put it this way. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. As the pastor of the church, of course, my number one concern is the spiritual well-being of our church. As the head of the nonprofit, my number one goal is the spiritual transformation of our neighborhood. But spiritual transformation often goes hand in hand with physical transformation, with emotional transformation. 
A missionary that I met in India told me, it's up to the Holy Spirit to determine who responds to the gospel message. But it's much easier for people to respond to the gospel when they have food in their stomachs. I think he had that exactly right. So when we're addressing the many issues our neighbors face, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the legal, the practical issues, all of that stuff, that's not just a good in and of itself. It is part of an evangelism strategy. Lots of agencies can address those kind of needs, but only the church can address the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual needs of the communities they serve. And because we believe that all of those needs are tightly tied together, we are bold enough to believe that God will give us everything we need to successfully address all of those needs, including the physical and emotional needs, even where other organizations may fail, and especially the, 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 the religious needs, right? The, 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 I've lost my words here. <laughs> The spiritual needs, thank you, of our neighbors. Only the church can bring people to Jesus. And that belief drives our ministry. The final characteristic that I want to talk about renewal today that I think is really important to what we do is that we strive to be incarnational. And that means going way beyond being the hands and feet of Jesus, although there is a lot of that for sure. Being incarnational means so much more. Paul gives us a great explanation of what an incarnational ministry looks like. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God to be something used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Much like God took the form of a human being and dwelt among us on earth in the person of Jesus, we believe that we are called to dwell among the people that God has called us to serve and to do so humbly and with a servant's heart purely out of our love for God and for no other reason. Our goal is to be the embodiment of God for our neighbors. We have to love our neighbors so much that their problems are our problems. Their needs are our needs. And we have to do so to the extent that we're willing to put their problems and their needs ahead of our own, changing our own priorities, giving up that most precious commodity, our time. People's lives are incredibly messy, and we have to be willing to get that mess on us if we are going to serve people the way God has called us to serve them. We have to have boundaries, for sure, but we need to be able and willing to wade into the mess much deeper than we might like, and often much deeper than we're comfortable with or that we even feel capable of. And the only way to do that is to act in faith that God has called us, that we are right where he wants us to be, and that he never sends someone out without equipping them for the work that he has chosen for them. 
I think it is fair to say that when we started out, we were for the neighborhood. We wanted to do good things for the people who live there. Now I think we're at a point where we can say we are of the neighborhood. We're connected, we're invested. We have a stake in the outcome of the families that we're so close to. One day, God willing, we will be able to say in all honesty that we are from the neighborhood. Whether that's because we have families from the church plant team who decide to move to the neighborhood or because we continue to add families from the neighborhood to the church so that one day, mathematically, the majority of our families really do live in our neighborhood. That's what we mean when we say we are incarnational. So what's the point of all this? What's the takeaway, right? Rob did not give me the privilege of speaking to you today just so I could get up here and blow Renewal's horn. That's not why I'm here. I think there are lessons for everyone to learn from our experiences at Renewal. And I wanna share three of those with you. Number one, we are all called to serve. When we commit ourselves to following Jesus, we are given both the privilege and the obligation to teach others about him. God did not call us to him just for our own good, just for our personal improvement, just so that we could know him better or love him more. We are called for a purpose, and Jesus has told us what that purpose is, to go and make disciples. And we do that not just by teaching people what the Bible says, but by living out those biblical principles in our lives. Loving others like God first loved us. Focused on their welfare, their well-being, their relationship with Jesus. That's what God calls all of his people to do. Second, we are all equipped to serve. God never calls us to a task without giving us everything we need to complete that task. There's nothing really special about this group of people who went off and planted a church in the hood. They're no more talented. They're no more gifted. They are certainly no more holy than anybody else in the room. I was a lawyer, for heaven's sake. If God can give me a heart to serve people out of my love for him, he can do it for anyone. God does not call the best and the brightest. God calls the faithful. And that's the one thing that I think might make the people at Renewal special. They are committed to learning to walk by faith all the time. Not perfectly, that's for sure, but faithfully. When you hear God's call and you step out in faith to follow it, God will honor that, period, end of story. And he will give you everything you need to do the work he has called you to every single time. Last point. All of us can serve right right where we are. You do not have to dive into the deep deep end of the pool uh, for God to use you to build his kingdom. You do not have to go to the ends of the earth or even the post in 42nd Street. You just have to respond to the call to serve. Maybe you're called to serve in your own Jerusalem, teaching your kids, repairing your marriage, being the caregiver for a family member who's sick or elderly. Maybe you're called to serve in your Judea, 
loving on a neighbor or a coworker in crisis, befriending the lonely or the misunderstood, standing up for an issue that you believe in, inviting the people that you interact with every day to come and learn more about Jesus. You might be called to Samaria. You might be called to the ends of the earth. You never know what God has up his sleeve, let me tell you. God needs kingdom builders everywhere, from the slums of Nairobi to the streets of Post and 42nd to your child's bedside as you lead them in their nighttime prayers. It doesn't matter where you're called. The only thing that matters is how you respond. Here's the other thing, and I say this all the time, and I believe it absolutely to be true. God is not asking any one of us to transform the whole world. God has a plan for that. It is called his church. All God is asking any one of us to do is join him where we are and to work with him to transform our own little corner of the world. God will take it from there. Do you want to join God in transforming your own little corner of the world? You can absolutely do that. Every single one of you. Find where God is calling you. Answer that call. Trust in the power and the love and the wisdom of Almighty God to equip you and to guide you in the work that he is giving you. And then you too, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, can be among the believers fulfilling God's great commission. Let's pray about that. Father God, we love you and we do want to follow you. Make your call clear to us. Give us the wisdom and the courage and everything we need to follow that. Extend our faith so that we are following you wherever you lead us. And we are doing so faithfully and in a way that glorifies you and allows us to complete the work that you have planned for us since before you made us, Lord. Give us the strength to become the people you want us to be and to glorify you in all that we do, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen.